Tonight's episode of Legacy Battle is brought to you by Atlas Benefits. Atlas Benefits has solutions for your insurance needs. Atlas Benefits can help you obtain Medicare, health, or life insurance, and employee benefits. You can find them on the web at www.atlasbenefits.com. Or you can contact Rob Ducey or Roy Smith at 727-600-2892 and mention Legacy Battle Podcast. Atlas Benefits has all the solutions for your insurance needs. Enjoy the show. This is Legacy Battle. Make sure you hit subscribe on YouTube, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iTunes as well now. Make sure you also join that Facebook group. I'm Michael Adams, your creator of Legacy Battle. Joining me tonight from the Gridiron Battle Zone, Brian King, Penn State Collegiate All-Star, Kevin Adams, Ball State Athlete, Paul. We are joined by Liz Prestella. She's a female NASCAR mechanic starting back in 2012. She's working for Gaunt Brothers as a tire specialist. And she has her own clothing line. You can check that out at www.torqdclothing.com. Is that correct? Yes. That's correct. So check out her website. Get yourself some, some clothes that you can work in, which is really important for, for women who do the types of jobs that she does and many other things out there. So thank you for joining us. Tonight's debate. This is going to be a really interesting one. It's our, our first racing show. It took 50 episodes to get to a racing show, so I'm excited about this. We're going to be debating the, let's just say, the grandest woman of racing. That sounds like a really nice title there. So we're going to start this out tonight with, uh, let's go with uh, Michelle Monton. Okay, Michelle Monton. She was born in France. Uh, she was active in uh, world rally car racing from 1974 to 1982. If you're not familiar with rally car racing, this is a very difficult type of racing to master. Uh, these races do not occur on a drag strip or an oval track. Uh, these drivers deal with surfaces like gravel, dirt, asphalt, snow, ice, and cold climates, hot climates, wind, rain, hairpin turns, steep grades, you name it. Uh, so the difficulty level for this is off the charts. So getting back to Michelle, she ended up winning 162 stages during her career, made the podium nine times, and had four rally wins. Her best season was in 1982 while driving for Audi. Uh, it started poorly, though. Uh, she had a big accident at Monte Carlo when she lost control after hitting a large uh, patch of ice. Uh, but she bounced back, winning in Portugal and then the Acropolis in Greece. Uh, she was in second place in the standings before the final race of the season, uh, which took place in the Ivory Coast of Africa. And before the race, Michelle learned that her father had passed away. So with a heavy heart, she competed very well and nearly pulled off the victory, but lost control of her car with uh, 600 kilometers to go and ultimately took second that season in the standings. 
1975, Michelle was able to win the 24 Hours of Le Mans race, which is a very growing uh, challenge for drivers. In 1985, she won the Pikes Peak International Hill Climb. Uh, it began raining during the race, and many of the other drivers slowed up. But, but fearless, I mean, Michelle just blew right by them and took the victory. And then in 1988, she became the first woman to win a major championship in rally racing when she won the German ra uh, rally title. Uh, she would go on later to become the first president of the FIA's uh, Women and Motorsports Commission, and then later the FIA's manager in the World Rally Championship. A resilient winner, a groundbreaker, a pioneer for women's sports, and inspiration. That is Michelle Monton. So, Liz, what are your thoughts on Michelle? And have you also have you worked on any of those European cars? I have not done a lot on those. I've got some friends that have done rally racing. I've always stuck more to NASCAR, just because that's what I grew up watching, and that's always just been my bigger passion. I've wanted to get into rally cars, but everything I've heard is it's like 180 from NASCAR. So it's intimidating to me to think about learning an entire new car. Like they have quick change gears, they have different suspension, different setups. So it's way different. The tires are way different. But like I've read a little bit on Michelle and what I was able to read, like she was a huge trailblazer, especially for when she was driving. Women weren't typically allowed to drive then. Like she was one of the few that was even allowed to get in the car as a driver. Most of them were just the guides like the one that told them when to turn where to turn so the fact that she was able to accomplish as much as she did says a lot about her passion and her how fearless she was to just go out there and do it no matter how much probably rebuttal she got for it and how many people probably pushed against her going after what she was doing let's move on to let's go lynn st james keep it old school yeah, I got the old school picture here of Lynn, and uh, I'm choosing Lynn because obviously she raced, but she got an overall impact on women's racing. She was kind of a trailblazer, and she still is involved with, is actually a motivational speaker now, but Lynn was born Carol Jean Cornwall, 313-47. Through a series of name changes and a divorce, she ends up kind of shorting her name from Evelyn to Lynn and becomes Lynn St. James. She, she means a ton to women's racing. Um, she began, the thing I like about Lynn is when she began racing, she didn't come from racing. She got into it by watching, I think it was IndyCar, and decided she wanted to enter into uh, racing. So she bought a street car, like a Ford Pinto, and that was the first car she raced in. So she began competing at a local uh, sports car club of America in 1973. Terrible, terrible beginning. She ends up driving this Pinto. Uh, spun into a pond at Palm Beach International Raceway, uh, which was her streetcar, like I mentioned. She escaped from her car about eight seconds before it sank. But then she ends up rebounding, sticking with it, and wins the regional championships in uh, 76 and 77. Her first pro season in 79, she finished eighth. And then she came in second in the Kelly Girl Challenge Series. So kind of a brief timeline for Lynn. 73, she gets into racing. 81, she signs with Ford Motor Company. So within eight years, she gets a good sponsorship. Uh, 88, she changes to IndyCars. Uh, 1990, test for Dick Simon Racing in Indianapolis. 1993, 93-93, she becomes president of the Women's Sports Foundation. 91, Ford drops her as a driver. But in 96, she starts and acquires her own team, Lynn St. James Racing. And then in 2000, I'll always remember this, I actually attended a high school where 
Lynn did a motivational talk, but in 2000, it was strange, kind of a strange bit of fate. She's driving in the Indy 500 and has a collision with the only other female driver, Sarah Fisher, in that race. So she didn't always have it easy, but kind of some of the things that stick out to me for Lynn, she's one of nine women who have qualified for the Indianapolis 500, became the first woman to win the Indianapolis 500 Rookie of the Year Award. Uh, to date, the oldest driver to ever win the award at 45. She became the first woman driver to reach over 200 miles per hour on a racetrack. She drove a number of different cars, including an Aston Martin, Porsche, Ferrari, and a Mazda. For the majority of her career, she did drive a Ford Mustang and a Ford Thunderbird. Shout out to you, Mike Adams. She drove a Ford Probe in one of the races, but it was a terrible collision. I know you're a big Ford Probe fan. I think yours caught on fire. Uh, she's been invited to the White House on it multiple did. occasions, meeting with Presidents Ronald Reagan, George Bush, Bill Clinton. She was also named the Sports Illustrated the Top 100 Women Athletes of the Century. Uh, Working Women Magazine added her to the Top 350 Women Who Changed the World between 76 and 96. In 94, she was inducted to the world, into the Florida Sports Hall of Fame and only one of two women in it for auto racing. And she's the president, was also the president of the Women's uh, Sports Foundation from 90 to 93. So she's got a ton of races, ton of accolades. Um, she, like I said, she does motivational speeches now. She's on the board, uh, I believe, still. And um, she founded the Women in Winner's Circle Foundation in 94. She served as board of trustees for Kettering University since 2015. And I believe, like I said, she still serves as the appeal panelist for the NASCAR National Motorsports Appeals Panel. And that's Lynn St. James. And yes, my Ford Probe did catch on fire, but my Mustang <laughs> was the nicest car I've ever had. So I'll give Ford a little credit. She there. had a six-cylinder, so that doesn't really count. <laughs> so, Liz, um, with, with Lynn, she drove Indy and NASCAR, different types of cars. What's the difference, not just in speed, but handling between those two different types of vehicles? cars are, like, a night and day difference. People don't think that there's much of a difference, but, like, Santino Ferrucci, I've worked with him this year on the Xfinity side, and the IndyCars today, you, they, drivers literally control the setup on the steering wheel. So that's just how much more technology goes into those, and they're also not easy to drive. Like, you can look at Jimmy Johnson this year. He got in an IndyCar, and he's not running seven-time champion level because it's such a different car. I haven't got to watch an IndyCar race in person yet. I really want to. I've got some friends over there that keep encouraging it. I just haven't had it work in with the NASCAR schedule yet. But those cars, there's just so much technology and carbon and crumple points and little bits and pieces that are so intricate and different from what we run because we've always been just the good old racing. All of our stuff's fabricated. It's all steel. It's all aluminum. It's all handmade until we go to the next-gen stuff, but that's a whole other topic. And Lynn, Lynn was a trailblazer. What are your thoughts on her? I've actually heard of Lynn, even though I'm on more of the NASCAR side. She's had such an influence just between NASCAR and IndyCar that she was one of the few that was able to go out there and show guys that she could do it. She might have had her struggles, but she still went out there and did it. Like, she's on the appeal panel for NASCAR. And to get on that panel, you have to be very well-respected because they decide whether or not a team's going to get a $50,000 fine or they're going to get suspensions or they're going to get a win taken away from them. She's on that panel. And that's a pretty high regard in the NASCAR world to be on that panel. 
Let's stay old school, and we're going to go to Janet Guthrie, 83 years young this year. So she's still kicking it. That's awesome. So she spent her first 13 years building her own vehicles. So not only was she a driver, but she was a mechanic, and I, res I respect that. Um, and she would race them in road circuits. She'd build the car and then race them in, in road circuits, local and, and across the country. But eventually she did make her way to NASCAR, um, and she's got some pretty good stats here. Uh, I've, I knew she was good. I didn't know she was this good. Um, so she had five top tens, which that's more than, I don't think anybody else has any of those that we're talking about for the NASCAR tonight. She's, um, she raced 33 times in three years. That's a pretty good schedule. Kept her busy. So she's the first woman to compete in the Indy 500 and the Daytona 500, and that occurred in, in 1977. And she was the first woman to lead a lap in the Winston Cup Series. So that's something that can never be taken away from her. So 1980, she, she goes into the International Women's Sports Hall of Fame. 2006, she goes into the International Motorsports Hall of Fame. 2019, into the Automotive Hall of Fame. That is three Hall of Fames on this record here, so I, I'm feeling a good boat tonight for this. We'll see, but... Bleach Report, they call her the first female phenom, um, not just racing, just the first phenom. So that, that's that's huge. Um, she's done a lot outside of the sport, too. I mean, she's fought for women's rights. And, and um, you know, during her day when she was racing, it's still hard today for women to get sponsors. But it was even harder back then because she had to deal with what was basically the good old boys club. Um, you know, different times, of course. But she was still able to scrap up enough sponsorship money to get out there, which, you know, it's, it's not easy. Um, her helmet and her driver's suit are in the Smithsonian Institute. So that is an impact to the society and, and the country. Um, but she's raced the best in the world with very poor to mediocre equipment because of her finances and, and lack of sponsorships. Um, and she got pretty good results with with pretty bad equipment where we take somebody like, let's say Kevin's representing Danica tonight, not just to rip on your person, Kevin, but she has all the sponsors that she could want and all the money and the best equipment, just like all the guys out there. And she can't even finish top 15 when, when she was doing her thing. So um, I think that Guthrie is a better driver in my opinion, but Ricky Rudd, Mario Andretti, Richard Petty, they all stated how great that she was. And even Richard Petty, he he, he was quoted as saying, I'm going to end on this, quoted as saying, if she had better equipment, she would have won some races. So she was at a disadvantage every time she went out there because of her equipment. And she still was getting pretty good finishes out there. So, Liz, we've talked about three women who are from 70s, 80s, late 60s, possibly there a little bit. And they were bigger and better than some of the women we see out there today. What, what are your thoughts about that? Why haven't, hasn't a woman peaked in the racing circuit yet? Like, I'm always a big Janet Guthrie fan because she was so huge in NASCAR. And, like, when she came in, women weren't even allowed in the garage unless they were, like, the wives or the trophy women. Like, they weren't allowed to work on the cars when she came in. 
and the fact that she was able to get behind the wheel and do what she did, that opened up a lot of doors for other women. But I think that now the problem is that women just don't have the same aspirations because she went from being an aerospace engineer and she loved racing cars in her spare time. And that's how she got into the NASCAR aspect of it. Now women that are engineers, they don't think about getting behind the wheel. They want to be the engineer on the car. They want to develop the car. They don't want to drive it. They want to be the one that makes it go fast. So I think it's just a difference of eras, too. Like, she did all that for fun, and then she was like, hey, I can, I'm pretty good at it, so let's see what I can do. But nowadays, it's really hard to do that. If you don't have excess money, you're not going to get a chance. It doesn't matter how good you are. Like, you could be late model champion in all the racetracks around you, but without the money, you'll never get past late models. And that's just what our sports turned into. Hmm. Let's move on to our final racer tonight. That's going to be represented by Kevin, Danica Patrick. Yeah, you should be disqualified because you gave some faulty stats there, but we'll move past that. So Danica started racing at a young age. She was racing go-karts. Prove me wrong. First off, you said Danica didn't finish better than 15th. That was a lie. Secondly, you said that yeah, she had the most top top 10 finishes at five, which that's also a lie. Danica had seven. So there's that. But Do you right? count speedways, yes. though? Speedway yeah. races don't count. Yeah, exactly. Uh-oh. We have a problem. All right. <laughs> Kevin's got a problem here in rut row. No, no, we'll be good. We'll be good. So anyways, Danica started racing at the age of 10 go-karts. Uh, she actually won her the World Karting Association Grand National Championship three times. Uh, she actually dropped out of high school and moved overseas to further her career. Uh, she came back in 2002. She competed in uh, five Barbara Dodge Pro Series races with Letterman Racing. Uh, she would later race in the uh, Toyota Atlantic Series for two years. And in 2004, she placed third in the championship standings where she became the first woman to win a pole position in that series. Uh, she drove for Letterman in 2005 uh, for the IndyCar Series. Uh, she took three pole positions, tying Thomas Schechter's uh, record for poles in a rookie season. She was named Rookie of the Year uh, for both uh, the Indy 500 and the IndyCar Series in 2005. In 2008, she became the only woman um, to win an IndyCar Series race. She did that at the Indy uh, Japan 300, and she finished sixth overall in the driver's standings that year. She finished fifth the season after that, where she finished third in the Indy 500, which is considered one of the best performances by a woman driver. Um, in 2010, she had uh, two second-place finishes before leaving the Indy car um, after 2011. Uh, in 2010, she started stock car racing uh, in the NASCAR Nationwide Series, where she had her best finish at, uh, in Las Vegas. She placed fourth. Um, in 2012, she finished 10th in the standings um, and was the second woman to clinch a pole position in the Nationwide Series. She joined the Sprint Cup Series uh, in 2012, she became the first woman to win a Cup Series pole position by setting the fastest qualifying lap for the 2013 Daytona 500 and finished eighth. She beat Jeanette Guthrie's record for most top 10 finishes by a woman in the Sprint Cup Series in 2015. She stopped race full-time after 2017. Uh, she did compete one more time in the Daytona and Indy 500 uh, in 2018 before retiring. Um, but she started the Sprint Cup Series in 2012. She became the first woman to win the Cup Series pole position. Uh, actually, I'm sorry, I already said that. <laughs> um, but uh, she's been in multiple TV shows. She's been in commercials, video game. Um, 
She finished NASCAR Cup Series with seven top 10 finishes and one pole. Same for the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Any car, she finished with one win, seven podiums and three poles. She's a household name. She's definitely helped keep racing, I don't want to say relevant, but big, big for women to have like a shot in the modern era. You say that she had a lot of money compared to Jeanette. Yes, she did. But so did her races or her racers, her opponents. They have just as much money. So she's competing with the same competition and she's still being, she was still successful. So that was, that was my whole point that Janet didn't have the money and was going. Yeah, I get that. I get money. that. But her, her opponents, it's, it's not like she had an, an advantage over who she was racing. She was still successful. She was in the culture too. She had movies, TV shows, commercials. She was in music videos. She had video game. She's definitely a household name. She's very popular in racing. I think she kept it alive for women. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give Danica a huge credit. She uh, made it mainstream for for a woman driver. Absolutely. Liz, what are your thoughts on Danica? Um, I mean, she certainly took things to a new level it, uh, as far as I'd say bringing eyes to NASCAR. And what are your thoughts on her driving skills? There's been a lot said through the years that maybe she shouldn't have been in NASCAR. She wasn't as good as some people who should have gotten her place. What are your thoughts on that? I think what Danica did for the sport was really good because she inspired a lot of young girls to get into cars. And she did a lot of just motivation for people. But I also think that they rushed her way too fast in the cup. Because she didn't get enough seat time. IndyCar is so different than NASCAR. You can't just jump in our NASCARs and expect the same results as an IndyCar. And they rushed her so fast through Xfinity. She should have spent a lot more time in Xfinity and got used to the cars before they put her in a cup car. Because ultimately that hurt her chances of being as competitive. Because she didn't get the experience that she really needed to be competitive. Like you look at Haley Deegan right now. She's taking her time, she's getting full seasons in, and she's competitive as can be. She's brutal, she's racing right up there with the guys. Danica did that when she first started, but then when they rushed her into cup, she couldn't keep up as well. She was in top-tier equipment, she was in top-10 equipment every week, and she had a hard time keeping up because she didn't have the experience in NASCAR. Like, the cars are 3,500 pounds. IndyCar is a whole lot lighter. NASCAR doesn't have a lot of technology. We have a digital dash. We now have EFI. We had adjustable track bars at one point, but they got rid of that. We don't have where you flip a switch on the dash and it changes the entire setup, or you can drop the back of the car with one button like IndyCar does. So she was given a disadvantage just by the way that they rushed her in because she became the face of NASCAR, because they used her as a poster for NASCAR. So I think she didn't get a fair shake. Like, her driving in cup needed a lot more seat time because she did get in a lot of wrecks, but it's the lack of experience. You look at anyone that gets rushed into cup without experience, male or female, they all do the same thing. They just don't understand the cars as well because it's a lot different. So we got one shout-out tonight. Someone who just missed our list. That was Brittany Force. Liz, is there anybody uh, you feel that's coming up that's going to be really good or, or maybe a female that didn't make our list tonight that, that could have been on it? I'm really pulling for Haley Deegan just because she's so brutal and raw and she doesn't care if she makes a guy mad. Like, if you watched any of the XRS races, 
Like, she got into it with Paul Tracy several times, and he got up in her face, and she's like, so? Like, what are you going to do about it? Like, it's racing. Like, she's not afraid to get in these guys' faces because she deserves to be there just like everyone else. Like, she started off-road racing. They took her through ARCA. They've got her in trucks. She's dabbling in Xfinity, but they're not rushing her straight into it because she knows she needs to understand it before she tries racing competitive in another series. Like, you have to work your way up. And there's a lot of girls on the top fuel side that have a lot of potential that are just starting out. Aside from Brittany Forrest, there's a bunch of others that are just starting to get into it. I can't think of her name, but she's really good friends with Clay Milliken's team. And I always go hang out at the NHRA races with them because their clutch specialist is my NHRA ambassador. So I've gotten to know some of them, and she's just got her license at Charlotte this year, the first Charlotte race, and she won her first one that weekend. Wow. And it's like they're starting to come up through there. And, like, Leah Pruitt, she's always been dominant in there. She's always doing her thing. And I think that NHRA doesn't necessarily always get the same publicity because they aren't on TV as much as NASCAR and IndyCar and F1 just because they don't have the same TV contracts that we do. Right. Kaylin Simmons you were thinking of? Yeah, Kaylin is my NHRA rep. So I talk to her constantly. She wears my pants. She carries them around in her tractor. One of their friends over there, I'm, I can't think of the girl's name, but she just got her NHRA top fuel license beginning of this year. And she's done really good this year so far. Well, let's move into our boat tonight. Paul, who are you taking? Yeah, so obviously I can't take Lynn, but I, I'm loving Janet. I love that old school. I love that she did it with minimal amounts of money. I, I grew up very poor. I can relate with that. I think she was a competitor. I just, I think that the one thing I want to focus here is it's, it would be so hard to break into this sport back then as a woman. And just, you know, I was looking at Lynn's stats and some of her wipeouts and stuff and just the amount of like, you know, you have to keep at it and, you know, they had self-awareness and they believe in themselves. So I think Janet really deserves a ton of credit. So I, despite my knocks and complaints, I am taking Danica. Um, I, I don't think she's the best racer of what a hypocrite of any of the women that we're talking about, but call him out, Kevin, what, but what she did for the sport, I feel gives her some prestige and like Kevin made a good argument with the household name. I mean, we could go around people that don't know racing and give them some names. And the name that they're going to know is Danica Patrick. So Danica's getting my vote. Kevin? Um, I'm actually going to go with uh, Janet. Um, I thought you had a good argument that <laughs> she was – Gift on equipment and everything, and kind of was like the underdog going into it. It's nice when the brothers show some love to each other. Doesn't happen often on this show. Don't waste our time <laughs> arguing that anymore. If you guys are just going to love each other the whole time. <laughs> Brian, go ahead. Well, I'm also going to go with Janet Guthrie. I mean, that when you got guys like you know Ricky Rudd and, and Richard Petty saying that you know she could have won a race if she'd have had some good equipment, that that you know really rings true with me. So I'm going to go with her. Okay, Liz. I'm always going to go for Janet because the one story I remember, it was, I want to say it was Junior Johnson or it was 
one of the other guys that were at junior's level when she was driving, they got in her car to see what was going on with it, went a lap, and they said, no wonder why you can't go fast. And they gave her their setup. Wow. And when she went back out, she was running the same times as everyone else. Wow. So I'm a big fan of Janet just because she broke so many barriers and she was a mechanic, which, of course, I'm a mechanic. So I'm going to appreciate anyone that helped it be easier for me to get into racing because there's not a lot of female mechanics. And she went in there and she said, yeah, I know how to rebuild these cars. What are you going to do about it? I love that story. That's awesome. So it's a win for Janet Guthrie tonight. Four votes for her, one for Danica. Let's move into our Q&A for Liz. Paul, go ahead. Okay, I know you're a big car fan. I was reading where you, I think your first car was an 88 Camaro. I think those would have come with like a, either a, what, a 305 or a 350. So I wondered if you could brag a little bit on yours. What have you done to it? And then I, I love cars myself. So if, you probably already have one, but let's say you have a three-car garage. What three cars are you putting in there? What's your, what's your three dream cars? Well, my 88 Camaro is actually still sitting in my garage. I had it moved out here from California when I turned 18 and moved out here. It has the 2.8 liter in it, the oh, cute okay. little V6. Yeah. My grandma actually custom ordered that car in 87, and I got it when I turned 16. So it's like my prized possession because I was really close to my grandma, and after she died, like it made it even more sentimental to me. So that's my little baby. I did have to do a motor swap on it about 15 years ago. I let a friend change head gaskets on it because I didn't have a place to do it, and he actually blew the motor up. So I found a motor numbers matching in a junkyard for 800 bucks. that had 8,000 miles on it, and we put that in there. That way the car is still original to me because she didn't want the big engine in it. So I don't want to go away from her custom-ordered car that I still have the paperwork on from when she got it. But my probably my top three cars would be a 32 Chevy Coupe. The three-window coupes are – that's my dream car. I have it tattooed on this arm. And then – course my 88 and i would probably have to go for like a 67 camaro i'm mm. a sucker for the 60s muscle cars me too like the 30s and the 60s are my weaknesses right uh well i understand that you've worked uh on just about every aspect of the race car um do you have a favorite and is there a future role that you would like to play for a race team my favorite is probably doing, like, the suspension stuff and doing, like, the rear end housings and the brakes. I love getting to tear apart the hubs and clean them all out and pull the gears. Like, I obviously can't pull a gear in the car because I'm five foot four and a half, and no matter how much I work out, those 50-pound gears are not that easy for me to pull out when I'm six, eight inches off the ground because you have to go straight out with them to clear the studs and then down. And the last thing I want to do is drop one of those because they're not cheap. So I usually do everything but pull the gear, and then I make one of the bigger guys pull the gear out. And I've always loved the engine aspect of it. But now with the EFI stuff, that's a little more complex than I know. Like, I love carbureted engines. That's, like, my favorite thing is a carbureted engine because they're so much easier to work on and being able to tune the jets and adjust the floats. Like, that's just my happy place. But right now, I pretty much do everything on the car. I don't drive them because I don't want to. Like, I will drive it around the shop, and I'll bleed the brakes because I'm typically the only person that fits in the seat half the time. 
So that's about the extent of my driving needs, but I do suspension, I do body work, I do fabrication, I do the interior stuff, I do the tires at the track. So I've done about everything on it. Kevin. So uh, what was uh, one of your favorite races uh, that you've been to and, and favorite track that you like working at? Dover used to be my favorite before I did tires because it's got a horse track inside of it. And growing up, my grandpa on my dad's side was big into horse racing. There's Bay Meadows that used to be in California. That was like the place he went every weekend. He knew all the jockeys. So that was always a thing that I loved watching horse racing with my grandpa. But once I started doing tires there, the tires go inside the track. So we have a huge hill up the front stretch that you've probably seen on TV. We have to run the tires up that, and then we have to run them down the horse track, which is gravel, to tur to scrap them so that we can turn them in. And me being me and not being able to see over the tire cart, it's not the easiest thing. Like, I drop it down like a football player, and I run up the hill. And I have taken out some fans before because they stood there and watched me do it and didn't move. And when you've got over 300 pounds of tires sitting on a tire cart and you can't really see over it, you're going to take them out. <laughs> so I, I, I've read that, that your grandfather and your father, you know, got you into cars, but I also read that like an, another mentor of yours has been uh, Lisa Smokestad. So maybe like tell us a little bit about her and then tell us about your clothing line. Lisa is the tire manager, I guess you could say, for Hendrick Motorsports. She's been there for over 20 years. She was one of the first female tire people. She went to school for psychology. And her, hus her high school sweetheart, her husband, they moved down here so he could work in racing. And she ended up getting a job in racing, too. She started out with, like, Jack Sprague and small teams. And she was too afraid to apply for a big team. And Jack Sprague said, just go apply. What are they going to do? Say no. So she applied for Hendrick and got the job, and she's like the mama bear of the tire people. Like, we're a bit, we call ourselves the tire pile, because we always are working next to each other. Even though we're on different teams, we all do the same job, and we aren't tied into the car necessarily. So we're on our own little island of tires. And she kind of oversees us all when she does go to the track. And when I first met her, it was in 2014. And I was working at Jay Robinson's on the cup car. We had Joni Machek driving it. And she just, like, took me under her wing. And she was like, I'm just going to help you along. Like, I like you. So you just text me, call me if you need anything. And I could text her anytime, day or night. She'll be right there to answer any questions I have. Or if one of our engineers gets some wild hair up his ass about, oh, we need to test this theory out on a tire. I'll text you and be like, this is what they're saying. What's your opinion? She's like, we tried that three years ago. This is what happened. Tell them to just not even bother with it. So I've always kind of looked up to her and leaned on her whenever I need advice. And your clothing line? My clothing line is torqued clothing. We make work pants designed for females that work on cars or in trade industries. We're working on a fireproof pant right now, but a little hard getting fabric at the moment so we're got our version twos we're working on right now they just finished a sample so i should have those by the end of the year they've got double knees seven pockets extra belt loops to keep the pants in place they fit a woman's body where we don't have to wear men's pants anymore and we also make work shirts that are 
that we've got some that are designed specifically for women, like ones that say make your own sandwich, I'll be in the garage. We've got like, not sure if that's grease or mascara. And then we've got ones that are unisex that like gearhead shirts. And we've got a flag tee that's got nuts on the back with connecting rods and wrenches as the stri- stars and stripes on the flag. Then we have some more that are just women specific. We've got custom headbands. We've got tumblers. And I do all of that for the company. Like most people think that I've got like a fleet of people that do the designs. I do all the designs, all the ordering, all the, when someone places an order, I'm the one that packs it. The only person that works for me is my best friend. She does my marketing. Besides that, it's all me. Brian, you got the guests. I'll give you the last question. All right. Well, I want to know, have you ever experienced any uh, accidents or major mishaps during a pit stop? I've had several. The worst one for me, it's a toss-up between when I broke my finger and when I got a can of gas dumped on me. Because for five years, I did change tires. So I was a rear tire changer that went over the wall with a gun. And Watkins Glen, it was, I think Mike Wallace was driving. I ran around the back of the car and they had put the Schultz head where we put the fuel in upside down. So they all have vent holes in them. So that when there's too much fuel in it, it can spurt it out. Well, the hole was pointing down. And the entire race, I'm like, I just got to go slow because I don't want to fall. Because that gas is really slick. Like if you guys watched... I think it was the race in Darlington where the fuel can got dragged around. The the cleanup guy got out of the truck to go clean it up, and he fell straight on his butt. It's worse than black ice. And I went last stop of the day, went to run around the car. My back foot caught it, and I fell forward. And my gun smashed my hand into the ground. And I instantly broke my finger right at the knuckle. I finished the stop. As soon as I took my glove off, my finger was already like three shades of purple. Finished the race out, ended up in a splint for a couple weeks, and the next week we blew a transmission in practice. So the splint came off, and I just worked as much as I could and ignored the pain. And then it was around that same year, it was in California. I was changing tires. My mom was actually sitting on the pit box, and so was my dad. I run around the left side, I'm hitting lug nuts off, and all of a sudden I feel gas getting sprayed all over me. This was before head socks, so no protection on the side of my face except for my helmet. The fuel head got stuck, and he turned towards me. So three quarters of a can of gas all down the side of my face, all over my lips, down my neck. I had chemical burn down the side of my face for about a week. So those were the worst ones. I Luckily, I was never had been hit, but I also checked up anytime I saw a car that looked like it was probably going to pinch me, I just kind of gave them the, go on, like, I'll, I'll give you a minute. I don't want to get hit. <laughs> well, everyone, make sure that, again, you check out that website. That's torquedclothing.com. Get yourself a nice T-shirt, some work pants. That sounds pretty cool. I'm going to have to check it out. And thank you, Liz Prestella, for joining us tonight. We appreciate you have, coming on and, and talking with us and having you here. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Everybody, make sure you hit subscribe on whatever you're listening to this on. Have a good night.